everyone. Happy New Year. Hope everyone had an amazing Christmas and New Year celebration. And apologies for the lack of episodes in December. I decided to have a short break and restart in the new year. And this first episode of the year is a topic I am very passionate about, developer productivity. This is something I've personally been really interested in for many years. So this time, instead of having a guest on talking about it, I'm going to do a solo episode and talk about this topic myself and the things I've learned over the years that have made a big difference to my productivity. It always surprises me that if you take a room full of developers, the deviation between each developer's productivity level is huge. And I mean seriously huge. A task that might take one developer half an hour might take another developer a couple of days. And the quality of the solution will probably be very different too. So first of all, let's tackle this term that keeps on coming up, the 10x developer. There are lots of blog posts I see questioning if there's even such a thing as the 10x developer, which to be honest, I really don't understand. Let's just pretend that this term even makes sense. Let's just pretend that developer productivity can be defined on this linear scale. I'd argue that the deviation between different developers can be way more than 10x. To explain this, let's have a look at some of the different facets that might make a developer more productive. First of all, let's start with the very basics, simple typing speed. If you're a fast typer, then you can physically code faster. If you're a very slow typer, then it's gonna take you longer to write code. Now, obviously you can also code the wrong thing faster too which we'll get into shortly. But the point is, if you're a slow typer, it's worth spending a bit of time learning to touch type. So another facet is leveraging your IDE. If you compare a developer that knows how to get the IDE to actually do stuff for you, for example, refactoring automatically with a few keyboard shortcut combinations, generating common code for you, and so on, you can leverage your IDE all the time whilst coding now compare that with a developer that doesn't know that the ID can even do this stuff and they try and do everything manually. Using your ID more can make you way faster when coding. The amount of stuff your ID can do for you is insane. But those things are just touching the surface and those things only relate to actually physically writing the code. But even with those two things, I'd say after working with a lot of different developers that we're probably already seeing a 10x difference comparing devs that are fast typers and really know how to leverage the IDE versus devs that don't. But it's pretty useless being a super fast coder if you're building the wrong thing or if you're building something that's really unmaintainable or unreadable or buggy or perhaps you're trying to write something where there's already an existing library you could have used instead of reinventing the wheel? Are you writing something that could be a nightmare for other developers to understand and maintain? Remember that when I say developer productivity, I'm not just talking short term, how fast can I knock this feature out, regardless of quality. If you write a feature in a day, but then that feature comes back, both to haunt you and the team with bugs time and time again. That's a very expensive feature and not very productive at all, no matter how fast you knocked up that initial version. 
Another one, are you writing automated tests? If your feature has no automated tests and a QA team has to manually regression test all of your code from here on out for years to come, every time a change is made, that's also not very productive. On the flip side, are you writing too many unit tests? Testing every single class and layer, mocking out everything else. If you refactor some code, then do you have to rewrite hundreds of unit tests? That's also not very productive. Personally, for tests, I definitely find integration tests that cover the actual requirements are way more productive and valuable than unit testing every single layer of the implementation detail. Good communication is another one. Most of the time you're working as part of a team, whether that be other developers, product owners, stakeholders. Productivity isn't a solo activity and poor communication can lower your entire team's productivity. Another big one, how well do you know your chosen platform? So if you're a React developer, who knows React back to front, then you're going to be way more productive when building a React app than someone who doesn't know it well or is just mediocre with React. And this applies regardless of what that technology is, whether it's React, ASP.NET, WPF, Xamarin, whatever. The point is, learn your chosen tech stack back to front. That way you can focus on the business problem when building stuff and not working out how to do X or Y in your current tech stack. So taking all those facets into account, and there are lots more, you can see how for a developer that's really good at all of those things, the fact of 10x most certainly can be an understatement. And remember, this certainly doesn't mean that the more productive developer has to work harder or do longer hours. We are a knowledge-based industry, and by leveraging knowledge and tooling, you can produce way more value by working smarter, not longer hours. If you have to work harder or work longer hours to increase the value that you produce, you're going to hit a ceiling of time. There's only so many hours in a day and you are going to burn it out. The aim is to gain time, not lose it, and reduce stress, not increase it. Okay, so given all of that, how do we become more productive developers? So let's start with the big one active learning. From what I've seen, most developers learn on the job and just learn as they go. So imagine a 20 year developer that's been maintaining the same code base, repeating the same day over and over again for 20 years and not actively learning anything new. Now imagine a two year developer who actively studies every day has hobby projects, reads books, watches plural site, listens to developer podcasts, and so on. Which of those two developers is more experienced? So my biggest tip by far is to dedicate a period of time every day to learning. Block it out in your calendar, half an hour a day isn't a lot of time each day. But if you work it out, over a year, that's the equivalent to spending over a month of studying full-time seven and a half hours a day. Now imagine how much more you'd know this time next year if you commit to that half an hour a day compared to if you don't. The next obvious question is what do you learn? There's so much out there to learn and my suggestion would be to start with what you actually use. 
Remember how I mentioned before about really understanding your chosen tech stack? If you're a React developer, then make sure you really grok React. If you're an ASP.NET developer, make sure you really grok ASP.NET. If you're a WPF developer, make sure you really grok WPF. But don't just stop at knowing just enough to get by. If this is your profession and your main tech stack, then spend time getting to know it deeply. This will allow you to build applications a lot faster, with less stress, and allow you to focus on the actual business requirements, not faffing around working out the implementation details. Also, tooling. Tooling is a good one to focus on. Whichever IDE you use, make sure you really know how to leverage it and its functionality to do as much for you as possible. Don't just use a big IDE like Visual Studio or Rider as a text editor. IDEs are way more powerful than that. Learn the keyboard shortcuts, the automatic refactoring. This can save a ridiculous amount of time. And what else can you learn? So I've mentioned a couple of times about learning your own tech stack, but are you happy with that tech stack? Is there another tech stack that you'd rather be working on? Even if it means moving to a different company, then play around with those technologies too. Have hobby projects and tinker and play around. Also try playing with different paradigms. So if you're an object-oriented programmer, then play with a functional programming language. If you're a desktop developer, then knock up a web app. Learning other paradigms can quite often improve the way you code within your own tech stack. I've definitely seen this in myself. In learning functional programming, it's greatly improved my C-sharp. Basically, there's an endless amount of stuff to learn. So being intentional about what you're learning is quite important. Create a prioritized backlog of what you want to learn. I tend to find that the more I actively learn, the more stuff I discover I also want to learn. So making notes of things I hear about as they come up and then prioritizing that list, just like I would prioritize a product backlog, that makes a big difference. Speaking of taking notes, then this nicely leads into the next thing I want to talk about. Note-taking. How do you retain all that you've learned? There's no point in spending a lot of time learning stuff if you only remember a small fraction of it. And this is where note-taking comes in. You obviously don't want to or need to blindly reproduce the content you're studying. I find that just bullet-pointing and summarizing key bits that I find important and are new to me that I don't know already. For example, I'm currently learning Blazor, so I'm creating sections in my notes about different areas. For example, snippets of how data binding works in Blazor, how the component lifecycle works, this kind of thing. Basically, a quick at-a-glance reference I can look back on to both refresh my memory and also use as a reference when building Blazor apps. These notes are normally really succinct references. I don't need to repeat stuff I already know. I tend to find with note-taking that it's really powerful to avoid repeating yourself. So how many times have you re-googled the same thing, searched for the same answer on Stack Overflow, wasted time trying to work out how to do something that you've already done in the past, but forgotten all the implementation details, so my tip here is create your own personal notes and snippets library. There are tons of tools for this. OneNote, Evernote, Obsidian I've started using, which I'm really enjoying. 
but mainly I use Notion. Or even if you're just storing text files in Dropbox, the key thing is, as you're doing something, have a think about whether you might want to do that thing again in the future. And if so, take some notes. So this could be code snippets, a cheat sheet, step-by-step -step instructions, command line reference. I have all sorts of stuff in mind. And I find that when I come to do a bit of work where I've already taken notes, it dramatically reduces the time it takes to do that thing, as it then just pretty much becomes a copy and paste exercise. This can save days in some cases. Now, this next point might be a little bit controversial, but whilst obviously sharing is good, and if it's something that relates to your company and team, then make sure the company's shared wiki is up to date and lots of stuff is documented there. That's quite important. But here, I'm specifically talking about your own personal wiki, which isn't about your company's business domain, but more general tech notes and snippets. Everyone's minds works in different ways and everyone thinks in different ways. And the way I would write notes for myself, so future me, is quite different to the way I'd write notes for other people to consume. In my personal notes, I can make assumptions of knowledge I already have. I don't want to have to get someone to review anything or worry that I haven't added enough context for someone who isn't me. I want to be free to lay it out and refactor it however I want and put whatever I want in it. And as soon as it becomes shared and used by more than one person, everything just becomes more complicated. Also, the lifetime of your library needs to be much greater than just your current company. This is yours and you own it. But as I say, that doesn't mean you should neglect documentation in your workplace in a shared wiki. It's just not what I'm talking about here. So to end this section on note taking, I just want to highly recommend that if you're not currently an avid note taker, then my suggestion would be to become one. Your brain can only hold so much information. And sadly, unless you're extremely lucky and have a memory like Richard Campbell from .NET Rocks, most people's memories aren't that reliable and organized. And even so, I believe Richard takes tons and tons of notes too as well. So using a tool like Notion or Obsidian or OneNote or Evernote, using a tool like that as your second brain can have a huge impact to your productivity. Take notes as you learn stuff, then refactor and review those notes over time. Moving on to the next section, another thing I find very useful is to explicitly break things down. And I do this before I start work on a feature, before I start coding. Basically, I type a list of all the things I have to do to complete a feature. And I also tend to add things to it as I'm going along as well later on. And this list tends to just be a bunch of one-liner bullet points with indentation to group items together. I'm a big fan of nested bullet points or checklists. And I find mentally splitting my brain into different modes, so planning mode versus worker mode, can make a big difference to my focus. So when I'm in worker mode, I'm just working off a list of items I've already written down which helps me stay on track and procrastinate less. It's the typical saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And I quite often find that during the act of writing this list of things I need to do to implement a feature, even before I've started coding, 
this quite often leads me to think of other things I need to do as well as part of that feature, or maybe problems I might hit, which means I have to change the planned implementation. But now I'm realizing these problems before I've even touched any code. This practice alone has saved me tons of time. Speaking of lists, I'm not going to delve too much on this one because it's out of context of developer productivity, and this is more just general life productivity, but I'd highly recommend reading up on GTD, Getting Things Done. There's a book by Dave Allen, which I'll include a link to in the show notes, which talks all about this. If I'm working on a work project, I tend to use the project management tool that the team uses. But outside of that, I do a lot of other stuff too. This podcast organised the .NET Oxford user group, bits and bats running my company, Everstack, lots of home and family stuff. Everything I need to do, I dump into a to-do list app. Now I happen to use Todoist, but this core concept of getting things done is basically to get everything out of your head and into a system. In my case, that system is both Todoist and Notion, but the medium doesn't really matter and organize those to-dos by tags to provide context and also priority. So tag for me might be computer, which is something I can do on my computer, or .NET Oxford, which is something related to .NET Oxford. But I've got a whole bunch of tags, so if I know that I'm on my computer and I want to get some .NET Oxford stuff done, I can filter by those two tags. And also adding a priority to these to-dos. And doing all this basically means that I never forget to do anything. It also means that my brain is free from the stress of trying to remember all the stuff I need to do. So I'm relaxed in the knowledge that everything I need to do is captured, so I won't forget them. I find that thanks to this, even though I have a very busy life, it's pretty stress-free. I feel relaxed and happy, but also very productive, which certainly wouldn't be the case if I wasn't leveraging to-do lists and note-taking so heavily. Another big productivity killer is lack of focus and procrastination. Now, this is obviously different for everyone. I personally find that one thing that makes a big difference for me is whopping big headphones. I notice a big difference with comparing my productivity when using no headphones versus in-ear headphones versus headphones that actually cover my ears. There's something all-encompassing about headphones that go over your ears. At least that's what I find. That and good music choice to match my mood really helps me get into the zone. I also found when I was working in an office, when wearing big headphones, I tended to get interrupted a lot less. And if I do find that I'm getting distracted and mentally procrastinating, maybe checking my emails too much or or whatever it is, then something I find that also helps is putting a timer on. Now you've probably heard of the Pomodoro technique, where you set a timer for 25 minutes, and you're only allowed to focus on the task you're supposed to be working on during that 25 minutes. You can't check emails, Twitter, you need to try and avoid all interruptions for that 25 minutes. It's 25 minutes of focus time. Then after the timer goes off, you get a five minute break, also on a timer, and then you repeat. I've tried this quite a lot, and I find that whilst this works some of the time, there are enough annoyances with it that I really don't stick with it. One big annoyance is when the timer goes off after 25 minutes, quite often 
that in itself is a distraction and pulls me out of the zone when I really didn't want to be pulled out of it. Another one is that whilst 25 minutes is not a long period of time at all, if I'm feeling unmotivated and distracted, then 25 minutes feels like a long time. So I've come up with a modified version of this, which works better for me anyway. And here are the key points. Set a timer for 10 minutes, not 25 minutes. You should be able to look at the timer, but it shouldn't be in your face. You need to explicitly turn your head to look at it. And most importantly, when the timer goes off, you should not be alerted to the fact that it's gone off. The ideas behind this are the hardest part of doing something, if you're unmotivated, is normally just starting it and initially getting into the zone. 10 minutes is not a long commitment, but it's long enough to make a start and get you in that zone. And the same rule applies as the Pomodoro technique. Within this 10 minutes, you can't check email or do anything else other than the task at hand. And the 10 minutes is just a minimum. The timer not audibly going off is quite important. Quite often I start this low commitment of 10 minutes and find the time still in the zone an hour later and I've produced a ton of work within that hour. And I apply this technique to other stuff as well. For example, tidying the house, doing a workout, doing guitar practice. 10 minutes is short enough to require a very low mental commitment. But once started, I rarely stop after 10 minutes. It's just a nice kickstart to start something and get in the zone. The last area I want to touch on is health and fitness. We are an industry that spends our time sat down for 7 plus hours every day. Whilst doing software development promotes lots of mental exercise, sadly it does the complete opposite for physical fitness. And there's plenty of evidence showing a very strong correlation between physical fitness and mental well-being. So I'm not necessarily saying go out and run a marathon, but do try and at least do some form of exercise every day, even if it's just a walk getting some fresh air. And also what you eat is important too. Equally for the brain, which is obviously quite an important organ in our line of work. There's tons of info online and I'll include some links in the show notes too about how much of a role nutrition plays in the functioning of the brain for both productivity but also mental well-being too. And lastly, for health and fitness, you've got sleep as well. If you've ever undervalued the importance of sleep and think it's a waste of time, then I would highly recommend you read a book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Again, I'll link to this in the show notes. It's quite an eye-opening read. And it goes into the importance of sleep, also around learning. It talks a lot about learning and the importance of sleep. And also just the health of your body where sleep is so important. Right, so before I wrap up, here are some smaller additional tips. One habit I find really useful at the end of each day is to spend a minute doing a brain dump into my notes, reminding myself of where I was up to. This allows me to hit the ground running the next day where I left off. I find if I don't do this, it takes me much longer to get started and I tend to procrastinate a lot more. Another one, meetings. I haven't really spoken much about meetings in this podcast episode, which I perhaps should have done, but for this, I'd really try and push back on as many meetings as possible. Really ask yourself, is this the best use of your time? If you have to be in lots of meetings, is there a way that you can defrag those meetings and have them clumped together 
to avoid your day becoming meeting, bit of work, another meeting, a tiny bit of work, another meeting, a bit of work. For me, those kind of days end with me being so frustrated about how little I've achieved. Another one, try your best to increase your developer in a loop. And this basically means the time taken from making a change to some code to seeing that result in your application or web app running just on your local dev machine. As in every time you make a change, how long does it take you to see that change? With a lot of modern technology, you've got hot reload functionality where we're talking fractions of a second. Now I remember in the past, it could be minutes and this was a nightmare for productivity. It made it very hard to keep yourself in the zone. So if possible, come up with ways you can increase that developer loop, whether it's leveraging modern technology and things like hot reload, whether it's using tests and continuous testing mode in your IDE. There's lots of ways you can try and decrease that loop of time between making a change of code and seeing the result. Another one, if you're unhappy at work, change jobs. I remember one particular workplace I worked at many years ago where I was quite unhappy but I just stayed there because the idea of moving felt like too big of a change or harder than it actually was. When I did eventually move, I was so much happier and perhaps should have made the move much sooner. There were some amazing companies to work for in our industry and plenty of those companies are desperate for good developers. So if you're not happy, you only live once. Just change jobs. Uh... Another tip is to do lots of networking. Now, this obviously depends on what you want out of your career, but the more you network and make connections with others, then the more opportunities will almost magically appear in the future. I've had multiple opportunities pop up from people I knew many years ago. You never really know when those short chats at a user group or conference or someone that you knew in a past role will translate into a future opportunity. And okay, so the last tip is try teaching and mentoring others with what you've learned. This not only helps others, which is obviously a good thing, but also helps you remember more deeply what you've learned. Right. Okay, so that's enough rabbiting from me. I hope you've enjoyed this solo episode. And don't worry, we'll be back to the usual format next time with a guest. As I said at the start, developer productivity is a topic that really fascinates me and I love to hear your thoughts as well as any tips you might have that makes you more productive. So please do leave comments on the website which can be found on unhandledexceptionpodcast.com. And lastly, a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored by Everstack which is my own company providing software development and consultation services. For more information, visit everstack.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please do help me spread the word on social media. I normally use the hashtag unhandledexception, and I can be found on Twitter at Dracan, D-R-A-C-A-N, and my DMs are open, and my blog danclark.com has links to all my social stuff too. So thank you for listening, and see you next time.